You know, we are here this evening to celebrate the light, the light that came to this earth to bring peace and hope and joy and all the typical things that we hear during this time of year. But it's important for us to recognize that this light didn't always exist upon the earth. In fact, before the light came, there was a period in our history that was marked by darkness. So to start our service off this evening, I'd like to tell you a brief story a story about a man who's most commonly left out of our Christmas narratives, a story of a man who left his dark mark upon our history, and his name is Herod. You see, Herod was the client king of the land of Judea, which means Rome owned it and controlled it, but Herod was able to rule over it. Now, Herod wasn't Jewish at all. Herod was a Roman, which drove the Jewish people crazy. But nevertheless, Herod was very talented. Herod was very ambitious. Herod was very political and politically astute in everything that he did. Herod was also known in that day and age as being a builder. He rebuilt the Jewish temple. He built the aqueducts. He built port cities. He fortified palaces. There was no building project that Herod would not take on. And when it came to living up to his talents, Herod did it extraordinarily. But more than anything else, Herod wanted to be known for one thing, to have an eternal claim to fame, to have a legacy, to be known as the undisputed king of the land of Israel. But unfortunately, a lot of his very nature and his quest to control his future would come back to ruin that in the end. If you remember anything from your history books, in about 44 BC, Julius Caesar was murdered inside of the Senate. And as he was murdered, his nephew Octavius and his friend Mark Antony, they decided to avenge his death. And they said that we're going to go and we're going to murder anyone who was responsible or who took part in the planning of this murder. And as time went on, the people in the land realized that after this trail of murder and blood and doom and gloom was over, that these two great figures were going to come head to head that they would clash with one another because there can only be one official ruler in all of Rome. Herod, over in Judea, sees this playing out in front of his eyes. And he vows to do whatever it takes to not only protect his kingdom, but to protect his own legacy as well. So he befriends Mark Anthony, and he gets in the habit of sending Mark Anthony these lavish gifts. And he even goes further, and he starts preparing these lavish parties for Mark Anthony and his mistress, who came from Egypt, who we know as Queen Cleopatra, which, by the way, the Roman citizens feared and hated. Herod even went as far as to lend his support for the rebellion and the uprising that Mark Anthony was leading against Octavius. But unfortunately, Mark Antony and his forces were quickly put down, which brought fear into the heart of Herod. So recognizing that now Octavius is the new undisputed ruler of the Roman Empire, Herod has one of three options left. He can either kill himself and get it over with because he's been branded as a traitor guilty of treason. He can try to run away and hope that Octavius doesn't send armies after to find him. Or he can try to hide in hopes that Octavius will just forget about him. But because of his ambition, because of his overwhelming quest to have eternal fame, Herod does something unthinkable. Herod gets in a ship and he sails to the island of Rhodes where he knows Octavius is staying. And it's here on this island he asks to speak to him face to face. And here in front of everybody around, Herod delivers this brilliant speech where he boasts of his loyalty to Mark Antony. 
And he says, if permitted to live, he would go above and beyond to be just as loyal, if not even more, to the new master of the Roman Empire. Well, Octavius is so blown away by Herod, he decides to spare his life. Not only that, he decides to allow Herod to keep his kingdom. Not only that, he also finds favor in Herod and expands his kingdom by giving him Samaria and Jericho and Gaza to rule over as well. And this only adds to the hunger and the thirst that Herod has for the control of power in his life. Well, this hunger and thirst starts to overwhelm Herod. And in the next several years, he makes bad mistake after bad mistake after bad mistake. Herod changes his will over four different times. He has over 10 different wives. He has multiple children that as they grow up and he sees them and he looks and he says, you're not fit to be a king. You're not good enough to leave in my legacy. So he has his own children executed and murdered in front of everyone. See, nobody wanted to go to Judea. Nobody wanted to go to the land of Jerusalem because nobody knew exactly what was going through Herod's mind. Was he happy? Was he angry? Was he paranoid? Was he jealous? It was a dark, dark time in our history. And so Herod, around the age of 70, He's suffering from a very painful kidney disease in his life. Seeing the end is near, he tries to consolidate his power. He tries to find a way in which he can still control the future and enhance his glory and his fame from beyond the grave. It's at this point in our story that Herod gets the most disturbing news he could ever have dreamed of. News of just five miles south of him, a toddler has been born. And this toddler can ruin everything for him.
It is a story of amazing love, the light of the world given to us. And it is in this story, the first Christmas, the first Noel, that really threatened everything for King Herod. And the Bible gives us the setting. In fact, in Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1, this is what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The Magi, you see, used to study the stars. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with them. And right now, I think King Herod is probably thinking to himself, he's the king of the Jews. Who is this newborn king? He's probably thinking to himself, they already have a king, and it's me. And I already have plans for who the successor is going to be. A newborn king. It's just going to mess everything up. And when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. When Herod called his magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Right. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, the Magi traveled from so far away, and all they needed was to follow the light. Interesting. But then the Bible gives us Herod's plan, and as we continue, it says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. And when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. You see, he had spent his entire life controlling outcomes. And now this little baby that everyone's talking about is about to threaten all of his plans. So what does he do? The Bible tells us that he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. But soon, probably even that year, Herod died a painful death. And the historian Josephus tells us that when Herod was, he was so concerned that no one was going to mourn his death, that he commanded a large group of distinguished men to come to Jericho, and then he gave orders to have them kill at that exact time that he was going to pass away, 
so that they could be displays of grief like if it actually was for him. But fortunately for those men, Herod's family released him. After Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. You know, all of Herod's ambitions and his plans to persevere, his legacy were all gone in just an instant. By the, by the birth of a newborn king, they were all thwarted just by this child being born. And as people like you and I, all around the world, we're going to read this story and we're going to come to the name of Herod and we're going to read it in the account of the birth of Jesus. And of course, we're going to read it, but it's not to bring glory to his story. You see, Herod is just a footnote in history. This story that we're talking about tonight is the story about a toddler born in Bethlehem, the newborn king, the light of the world. That's what we're celebrating. The light has shone into the darkness for you and for me. Herod will just be another footnote in the story. He's going to be known as the king who attempted to extinguish the light unsuccessfully. And this Jesus was born to bring the light into our world so darkened by sin. The absence of light, the loss of direction, no frame of reference, the presence of fear and uncertainty, void, and then a light. It starts as a flicker. It's not glaring for all to see, but it's a light nonetheless. Beautiful and mysterious, helping us to see, guiding us, warming us, comforting us. It is growing. It is shining brighter now. In one timeless moment, something of heaven is birthed through the tears of a teenage girl and the cry of a newborn baby king. All of heaven is perched at the edge of the sky, watching, waiting. God is sending the light of heaven into the dark of this world. To the young, to the old, to the weak, to the strong, to the lost, to the found. He is coming to us. He is walking with us. He is dying for us. He is living in us. 
our unthinkable darkness is being shattered by unbearable light. And we gather to see, to view with fresh eyes again, the light that all the darkness in the world cannot ever extinguish. Jesus is the light of the world. Tonight, I'd like to encourage every person who possibly accepted Christ or believed on him as the light of the world and the life giver who came into the world as a child, but then maybe for some reason or another wandered away. If that's you, I'd like to encourage you to come back to him tonight. You know, it's so easy when we're young to believe in Christ, but it's also so easy to get so involved in life in some way that we just wander away from the Christ who was born over 2016 years ago. But maybe you're here tonight and you've not yet ever said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and be my savior. Give me that life that you were born, that you came to offer when you were born. Maybe we've not yet done that. But if you've not yet done that, I want to encourage you to come to him tonight and or come back to him and Say, I want that life because the life that he offers is not only an abundant life here on earth, but eternal life. That's the life that Jesus was born to offer, and it's available to every single one of us. Now, because Jesus came 2,016 years ago now, he came as the eternal king. Now, Herod, he tried to be a king, and he tried to be a good king. But he made a lot of mistakes. But he thought he was going to be an eternal king, that his legacy was going to last forever. But Jesus is the only eternal king. You see, when Herod died, he was barely remembered after that. Yes, he's recorded in the Christmas story, but other than that, he's barely remembered. But here we are, over 2,016 years ago, and we're still worshiping the birth of Jesus. Amen? We're still celebrating the birth of Jesus and worshiping him as the Savior, the King, the light, the life giver, born for us today because he is the only giver of life. He's the only one who can give the gift of life eternal. The Bible says this about him. In him, Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, the light, or Jesus, the light, Jesus, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, the darkness cannot overcome Jesus ever. No matter what the darkness tries to throw into our lives, it can never overcome Jesus, the light who's in our lives. You see, Jesus was born to bring you the gift of life and to light up your life here on earth and to give you the path to eternal life in heaven. You see, the one we celebrate this Christmas is King Jesus. He's the eternal king. Herod was an earthly king, but Jesus is the eternal king. And he's the only one who can give you eternal life in heaven. But more than that, he's the only one who can overcome some darkness that might be hiding in your life right now. And maybe it's some sin, some darkness that... You've tried to overcome yourself, but you've just never been able to do that. But he, the light, 
when you's allowed to shine in your life, he can overcome any darkness that's there. This life, as you know and I know, can be extremely hard. It can be extremely dark at times. But those who follow Jesus just find him continuing to light up their life moment by moment, day after day, because he is the king of light. And all of God's people said, amen. He is the king of light. Tonight, would you just bow your head with me? And I want to encourage you to think about this. Are you ready to believe in Jesus if you never have? Are you ready to receive him in your life tonight? You might be here and and you need hope because maybe you feel like your life is hopeless. Tonight, you might need light to chase away some darkness in your life. Jesus can and Jesus will give you both hope and light. And folks, he's the only one who can. I think the best Christmas gift that you could ever receive is Jesus Christ himself in your life, the light of the world, chasing away every darkness and giving you hope for the future. If you've never done this, would you just repeat this prayer after me in your heart? Or if you are one of those folks who believed in Jesus early in your life, but you've now wandered away Would you just pray this prayer in your heart and come back to him tonight? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you were born to be the light of the world. You were born to be the king of my heart. Tonight on this Christmas Eve, I ask that you forgive all my sins and come live in my life. From this day on, I will follow you. Father, it thrills my heart to know that when any one of us prays a prayer like that sincerely in our hearts, that you come forgive us, you come wash away our sins, you chase away the darkness, and you give us the gift of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift you've come to give to every one of us. We give you praise. We celebrate you tonight, tomorrow. Thank you for coming for us. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.